This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Rocking my, uh, rocking my rock quarter zip today here for Declan. Declan love rocks it. the D-Generation X stuff. Did you know, before we talk Timberwolves here and a rom-com rewind on this Friday edition of Mackie and Judd, did you know that as part of WWE Network migrating to NBC's Peacock, that they're going to go back and like edit out and whitewash basically all of the controversial and uh, like R X-rated content from the late 90s? They're basically going to have to have to get rid of like 1997 through 2001, yeah. the golden era of wrestling. Why? Well, it's just it's too risque. Val Venus was a porn star basically on uh, Monday nights for three years. And the Godfather so. had the um, had a train. Let's just say a train. Well, is that going to get women of women of the night? Yeah. Is that going to get put somewhere where where people who enjoy this can see it? Like that know. seems I mean, to me w- to be the, w- the WWE Network was the place for it. Like does ba- does baseball go and wipe out the summer of '98? Because that was baseball <laughs> porn, McGuire and Salsa. <laughs> Like, are are they going to say no more highlights from that summer? Seriously, you can't do that. Yes, man, it it, it stinks. It's going to wash it, it out. It's going to wash it's out. Part of their the history. Late nineties baseball, late nineties wrestling. What do you want from us? Late nineties NFL. Too many concussions. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, gonna, yeah. What what's next? Jack them up. Never happened. <laughs> very disappointing. And I'm not a wrestling so, guy. Speaking of very disappointing, uh, are you are you disappointed that the Timberwolves didn't make any moves at the deadline? I mean, Gerson Rosas has been here for two years, and all he has done is shake up the roster and make trades. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. and wheel and deal. Uh-huh. And yesterday, he decided to stand pat, and he basically said, listen, sometimes you just got to take a look at your roster for five minutes and see what happens. And so we want to see what this team looks like down the stretch. So what Gerson, in fact, I jumped on that uh, Zoom call that he did yesterday. And what Gerson said is exactly what we talked about, and I agree just com- just completely. How do you make changes when you, at the deadline a year ago, which because of the difference in, in the pandemic-shortened or altered season, was in early February, he blew up his roster. Like, starting with the Jeff Teague t- uh, trade, by the time he got done making all of his moves at the deadline 2020 in February, the Wolves had two guys left from the previous season. Cat, and a Kogi, okay? So to Gerson's point yesterday, and he's right, is we got to see what we've got. And and it's hopeless right now. I mean, the team is is completely done. So you've got a new coach who so far has not coached a game with D'Lo. I think they had Malik for a game or two before the 12-game suspension kicked in, and that, that's going to end. He's going to – Malik's going to return on Saturday against the Rockets. But the point being is uh, – could they have got? Could they have made a trade to get a power forward? Yes. Would, would they have had to give up probably too much? Yes. Is it wise at this point? No, man. You got to evaluate. I, I hate to say it, but in this case, I'm with Gerson. Like, how how do you make moves again, Phil? Like, you just at some point in time, you've got to say, okay, we've seen or at least gotten a glimpse of D'Lo, Cat, Ant, Beasley, like all of these guys at least in the same rotations, um, and now we sort of know, as opposed to Aaron Gordon's going to save the day. So 
this is one where where I'm not saying Gerson's doing a great job because he might not be. I am saying I get the hesitance to continue to make moves when the ama- the amazing stat we will come back to until it changes is D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns have played five games together, and I know it's been interrupted, I know guys have been hurt, and I know Cat was sick, but it has now been more than a year, and they've been teammates on the floor at the same time for five games. Yeah. I mean, all right, I think if the, if there was a chance to land, you know, some sort of cornerstone-type player, and by the way, I, I don't know that Aaron Gordon is that. Like, I, Aaron Gordon was being looked at at the trade deadline by five or six different teams, and I think the way that people were talking about him was him as this final piece to a final superstar piece to a championship puzzle. And maybe he winds up being that for, uh, for Denver, but he's sort of diet Blake Griffin and everything we talked about on the show yesterday or two days ago. And well, we actually talked about it on both, both the last two days. I still stand by, I think even if you would have made that trade, yes, it would have been an impactful addition to your roster. He would have been a better power forward than anything you're putting out there right now, but he's not like a top echelon star player. Um, And his contract is up after next season. So you're at the mercy of whether he wants to resign with the Timberwolves. I think there are like five or six players right now on this roster that I'm interested in sticking around and everybody else is fair game. Whether you had a chance to deal these guys at the deadline yesterday or whether you had like Ricky Rubio, for instance, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, if he's all in. And sometimes I wonder uh, Jaden McDaniels, Jalen Noel, and maybe Jared Vanderbilt and, and Naz Reed as energy big guys. I like those guys. Everybody else is mm-hmm. expendable. And the Ricky Rubio conversation. So so the Clippers had some interest in him. I like the fact that he is a leader behind the scenes, and I like the fact that he has a connection with Anthony Edwards. Those are those are good things. I don't want to pay $17.5 million next year for a leader that can't shoot and turns the ball over in the fourth quarter like he has, at least lately. Um, so I'm like, like if you had a chance to offload Ricky Rubio and you and you didn't pull the trigger on that yesterday, I I, I, w- I would question that. Um because I just don't, I just don't know if you can justify paying him seventeen million dollars next year. If you can use his expiring contract this off season to land some other type of valuable chip, whether it's a player or it's involved in uh, in a in a trade for draft picks, I'm here for it. But the Rick, like the Ricky Rubio thing, is the thing that I was like, I really thought they were going to have a chance to trade him, open up some salary cap space. And maybe get an asset back, but I guess we'll never know what the official offers were. But the Clips got Rondo, right? So, I mean, I don't know if I can get a guy who is known for being fantastic in the playoffs, or I can get Ricky Rubio, who has, yep. you know, who who likes to change his face. I'm going to take Rajon Rondo 100 times out of 100 times. Uh, and I do think that there are going to be significant changes in the summer. I, I would be very surprised if Ricky is back with this team. Like, he just doesn't – he might be great off the court, but what he brings on the court to me just and, – and people are now saying, well, look, I mean, he's improved a, a lot from the start of the season, which might be true, but, I mean, you look at that game, right? Does that game really fit 2021? No, it does not. So, we set such a low bar. For I know him. we set a ridiculously low. Well, bar and it's for him. just Dude, you've been in the league for us. ten years. Learn how to shoot for guys. And that's sake. just sort of us, though. Like as sports fans here, we are our bar continually. It's amazing how we buy into the bars the team set eventually. Well, that left guard's going to be an improvement on Dakota Dozier. You better watch out. Watch out for what Dakota Dozier was terrible. Uh, and yes. Ricky, because we loved him initially, and he was a fun, I mean, he was a fun player at one time, but um, I think that Rosas is going to make significant changes coming up in the summer that I just can't get worked up about the fact that he didn't do it now uh, because, I mean, Chris Finch still can't tell you what, what he's got with the current collection of personnel. Like, yep. he really can't. Yeah, I'm the, with you on that. I think Chris Chris Finch getting, in, you know, six, eight weeks, whatever's left in the season here. Uh, middle middle of May, I think, is when the season ends. Chris Finch getting some time to sink his teeth deeper into this roster is going to be a good thing because then he's going to be able to find out, all right, who who are we really building around here? Is Anthony Edwards going to be able to to retain some of the coaching? I did see an anecdote the other night. So Anthony Edwards earlier in the week was was taken out of the game in the fourth quarter yes. because he was just like – he had. 
sometimes he's amazing, and then other times he just goes completely AWOL and makes terrible plays, and he's, you know, he's 19 years old, so it's to be expected, right? And Chris Finch takes him out of the game, basically punishes him for just not having his head in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And then those two guys the next day sat down together, watched film of the fourth quarter and the rest of the game so that Chris Finch could explain to him, this is why I pulled you out. This is what we need from you, et cetera, et cetera. And Anthony Edwards seemed to be, at least in, in his public comments to the media, seemed to be fine with it. I love that. I think that's the type of tough love that young players probably need in the NBA sometimes. But you also like you have to balance. You, you can't just be Tom Thibodeau, browbeating. You, you know, you're going to flame out in two or three years like he always does. Can you provide enough tough love to get the respect but also be kind of a player's coach? I think that's the nuance that you have to – to balance but the problem then is like he comes out and he just like anthony edwards just comes out and like plays the same way <laughs> half the time i think he's a kid next game anyway yeah I, I think he's a player who's going to need a lot of reminding about what you need f- from him at least for the first few years perhaps after two or three it'll start to catch on but what i like about finch too is i think he's smart enough and this is this is the fault of guys like tibbs and it's more so i think a football coaching problem but tibbs of course comes off like a football coach uh, Tibbs always seemed to me to treat everybody the same, which you can't do with pro sports. Like you've got to know, you've got to know that I can sit Ant down and tell him just straight up and show him film, and it's going to work. And then player Z, I can yell at, and he, that's going to get him. But player X, I have to basically say you're you're doing a great job, right? Tibbs' problem was in the football mentality. Everyone's the same. It's a team. Well, in basketball and sports like that, I don't think that works. So for Finch, I like what he's doing. But the most and, – and look, the most important question that's going to have to be answered at least to a degree uh, by the time this season ends, and I believe the Wolves have 26 games left, by the time this is done, and this is why uh, D'Lo come back so important, they've got to have a clue if this works. Like, I don't think you can start training camp and be like, oh, my God, this doesn't work. I think you have to have a clue by the time the offseason hits, Phil, is is for what Chris Finch wants to do because this is his team and it's clearly going to be his team for a while. Do D'Lo and Cat and then surround them with guys like Beasley and Ant, blah, blah, blah. Does that work? Because if Chris Finch coaches D'Lo for two solid weeks and says, I got my, I got some problems here. Like, that changes the dynamic of our conversation about this team entirely. And it's not beyond the realm of possibility that that could happen. Here's the other Here's the other big variable, and I'll just throw this out, and then we can spend the next three, four months discussing it off and on. But if they land the number one overall pick, I think if you're just looking to draft the best player, you're going to draft six foot eight point guard with a ton of skills, Cade Cunningham. And... You're going to have Cade Cunningham and Anthony Edwards as your young 19, 20-year-old backcourt. And where does that leave D'Lo? So it, some of this is going to depend on, you know, the, the lottery is going to hit in, what, May or June, and you're going to find out if you keep the pick for one and then where you're drafting and who you might select. Now, if they wind up picking second or third, maybe they, maybe they draft for a different position and, and D'Lo is more in the mix, but... I think there's a scenario in which you could land Cade Cunningham in the draft, and then you're looking to just, you know, maybe you can go another year with D'Lo making thirty million dollars as sort of a, maybe he starts the season as the starting point guard, or maybe but he, he won't. You know, figure out to come yeah. off the bench, but <laughs> that's dicey, but like, man. But if you can, if you can, if you could land Cade Cunningham in the draft, and now you've got Cunningham and Anthony Edwards on rookie scale contracts for the next four or five years, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um. And Carl Anthony Towns is energized by it and wants to stick around as sort of the second or third guy in the pecking order at some point. That is a core that I think you can really get behind as a franchise. I don't know that you can really get behind a core that involves D'Lo at that contract and that price because I just don't like. I know that he and Cat haven't played together long enough to really see if there's a great on court chemistry. But I just don't sense that he is the type of leader and the type of take over a game presence. He seems to me more like a Stefan Marbury putting up numbers on bad teams type of a guy. Um, and so I just I, th- I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle D'Lo going into the offseason. Yep. It would be really nice for him to get back for even a month 
so that you could at least make a judgment with some games toward the end of the season. But absolutely, we'll yeah, because if if he we'll comes see. back and you can basically figure out at that point, yeah, this isn't really great. I mean, that changes your entire thought process, too. And look, they've got the talent, um, or they should eventually here, with what they're doing to make that decision. And Chris Finch is going to have a huge say here. Like, I don't think Chris Finch is going to look, unless I'm totally wrong here, at D'Lo play and say, yeah, you know what, I'll make this work. I I think he'll probably tell Gerson flat out, you know what, yeah, it's fine. It'll work or no. And if if the answer is no, it's going to be very intriguing. And back to your point about Cunningham, too, Phil, there is no way on God's green earth, in my opinion, that if if you were fortunate enough to get that pick and take him, that halfway through the 21-22 season that you could go to D'Lo and be like, hey, buddy, it's been fun, but you're a backup now. I don't know (laughs) that the ego can take that. And, like, in pro sports— with with a guy that perceives himself as a really good player, a max player, whoo! So yeah, there, there's there's a lot of questions to be answered to me that would have put the brakes on saying it's deadline day, boys. I got to do a deal if I was Gerson Rosas. Yep. Uh, and by the way, D'Lo has after this season has two more years left in his contract, thirty million and thirty one million dollars. So yeah, it'd be nice to be nice to drive that car. And, and see what it looks like on the road. Our Timberwolves discussion today, powered by our friends and friend of the Timberwolves, Federated Mutual Insurance Company. If you're a business owner and you're a tortured Minnesota basketball fan, um, all in one, well, Federated is, is here to empathize and support you, give you peace of mind, and help you with risk management tools. That's why they launched MyShield. It's the online client destination for risk management resources. Find out more about how MyShield and Federated can help your business at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Also, I saw, speaking of basketball, former Timberwolf uh, Jamal Crawford did, I can't remember what platform, but he was on, I don't know if it was like inside the NBA on TNT last night, but he showed that he's still using an old school BlackBerry phone with like the little buttons nice. and stuff. Hell yeah. It's got to be like those 10, still work. 15 year old phone. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know those still, still would work. From, I assume... from what I remember, those things are like indestructible phones. Like they are, they can survive the test of time. Okay. And so uh, he said he can't like be on group text threads with his old teammates because <laughs> like the BlackBerry doesn't. Support Why can't he that. make the switch? I mean, he certainly has enough money. Like right? it's, the guy probably banked one hundred fifty million dollars playing back. It's weird now. Now when I made the switch, the typing mechanism is really difficult for like a week and a half or so, but. You adjust very quickly. You had a BlackBerry? Yeah, one time at the Strip. Wow. I think we had Blackberries. We we, de- we definitely had uh, a keyboard that was a keyboard, which I liked at the time. And, and then w- when I switched to the iPhone, uh, because my thumbs are fat, it tends to hit, it tends to like hit two keys at once. <laughs> but then I just got used, to, like your brain just adjusts. I don't know how. That's why all of Judd's text messages to us are just like filled with weird typos yeah. and stuff. It's just crazy. I've adjusted. So anyways, so I bring it up because, you know, Jamal Crawford, you might want to get in touch with our friends at Whamatech. Mm. All right. Whamatech mm, is here going. if you've got a broken down phone, tablet, laptop. Might be time to break down and get a new one, Jamal. Uh, <laughs> Whamatech is a trusted supplier of pre-owned phones, tablets, laptops, and new accessories. And they also source their own pre-owned devices directly and pass the savings on to you. They'll even buy your old device for cash, buy, sell, trade in, whatever you need, whamatech.com. That's W-A-M-A-T-E-K.com. Uh, all right, I think we just fixed the Timberwolves problems there all in one, but I'm excited. <laughs> I'm actually more excited for the offseason now because yes. the rest of the season, it'll be fun to watch like Ant and D'Lo come back and stuff, and, I, and I'll still be watching the games, but the NBA offseason injected into my veins this year because I think Gerson is gearing up. You've got all these different rumors that have popped up the last year, and he will make deals, so I'm so here what- for it. What's your greatest hope? Like, because it's obviously a lost year now, off the rails. Like, as a Wolves fan, what is your, what's your goal? Like, is a best case just you see something and it's positive? Um, you're saying like not not the Cade Cunningham hope, but like no, no, no. I'm court. saying in season. I'm saying tw- I, I believe there's 26 games left. 
In those my 26 hope, games, what's your hope? This is going to sound crazy in today's basketball game. My hope is that Anthony Edwards stops taking so many threes mm-hmm. and replaces those. Like Instead of taking eight threes or ten threes in a game, stop. Take like four. And have them just like definitely take the wide open spot ups. If there's ball movement and the ball comes to you and you're wide open, definitely take that three. But replace some of those threes with drives to the rim. If we start to see him understand how to play efficient offensive basketball at age 19, that's a huge sign that he's going to become the superstar of this team. So I, that's the one thing I'm. It's it's kind of like you know a couple of years ago when you're watching the Twins and you know maybe they're not playoff ready. Like what are you looking? You know, they're under there. There's a couple seasons there earlier where it was like, all right, they're not going to make the playoffs. Sure. You're watching Byron Buxton. You're watching Miguel Sano. And you're trying to figure out are these guys going to make the turn as star players that can carry the franchise? And well, we've had mixed results there. But that's, I'm watching for that. And I'm also watching, you know, some of those guys that I listed off at the beginning of the segment here Jalen Noel. Like, if Ricky Rubio is gone, is Jalen Noel stepping? Is he a starter who's going to play thirty minutes a night? He I, certainly shoots well. I like he, him a lot. And he's got a presence, right? I like him a lot. So I'm looking for those things. I think more than more than anything else. So, all right, good talk there. Let's uh, <laughs> let's 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 pause for a second, and we're going to mosey into two week hiatus for Romcom Rewind. But one of the one of the classics of the early two thousands, Romcom Rewind, Sweet Home Alabama. No, you Watching sports while yelling at their TVs, shaving with straight razors, and revving their V8 truck engines. Well, yeah, think again. It's time for Mackie and Chad to turn in their man cars. This is Rom-Com Rewind. Obviously, this is very manly. I'll have a great goose martini to all its dirty. my god i almost feel like we should just apologize for the next like half hour of uh, of everything we're about to do and talk about here the look on judd's face is already just i got notes (laughs) i've got notes. i got notes i've got notes and you know uh we've heard it a million times you guys turn in your man card listen i saw how to lose a guy in theaters twice Mm -hmm. twice about 17 years ago we get that a lot still do, do we still yeah. get that note a lot? Turn in your man card about uh, rom-coms? Oh, rom-com, a couple seltzers, people. I mean, some people got some really insecurities. I'm sorry what happened with their mom and dads growing up. But, you know, I, I that's not me. You know, I had very supportive parents. I, I don't know what happened with those people. But Yeah, I'll tell you, though, just, you know, just to, just to let everyone know that we are still somewhat manly. <laughs> Our friends at Dennis Kirk and DennisKirk.com oh, are yeah. here to help you with riding season, baby. Whatever you ride, whether it's a Harley a cruiser, a sport bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets. If you order before 8 p.m., they'll ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over $89. The best in the business if you are a rider. DennisKirk.com. Everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. .com. Now that we have the manly stuff. Hold on a second. A real man puts on his chaps and his Dennis Kirk gear, and he sits in front of the TV and watches the rom-com. Right. Because that right. that says, look at me. I can balance being a real man who buys from Dennis Kirk and watch a rom-com, and I am secure in who I am. That's right. A freaking men. Sweet Home Alabama, 2002. Here's the summary. 
New York fashion designer Melanie, played by Reese Witherspoon, suddenly finds herself engaged to the city's most eligible bachelor. But Melanie's past holds many secrets, including Jake, played by Josh Lucas, which we'll get to, (laughs) the redneck husband she married in high school, who refuses to divorce her. Bound and determined to end their relationship once and for all, Melanie sneaks back home to Alabama to confront her past, only to discover that you can take the girl out of the South, but you can't take the South out of the girl. Heard that? (laughs) 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says Reese Witherspoon is charming enough, but the road to Alabama is (laughs) well-traveled. You know what that means. A $30 million budget turned into $180 million at the box office, which is a pretty amazing critical success, or uh, I should say financial success. Reese Witherspoon, Josh Lucas, Patrick Dempsey. Yes. This kind of this kind of this is kind of a rebirth for Patrick Dempsey, and then he jumped into to Gray's. Uh Candace Bergen. And this movie was directed by a man named Andy Tennant, who also directed several other rom coms, including Hitch, and then made a career pivot. Andy Tennant was an executive producer for 58 episodes of ESPN's E60 series from 2011 through like 2015 or 16. Really? Wow. Yes. Oh, that's whoa! So what a what a versatile career this guy's had. E sixty eight rom Alabama. Hitch. He turned on rom com. He's like, this is crap. I'm doing crap. <laughs> Even I think this movie's garbage. Um, all right, let's start with Judd Zolgay. What was your key takeaway from Sweet Home Alabama? My key takeaway was this. First of all, um, and I don't I don't know if we're in this era now with actresses and actors, but we definitely were then. Early two thousands, right? We had manias going. We had McConaughey. Man- going we had certain and this was no question and it all sort of uh, dovetails in the same time period this was the height of reese witherspoon mania reese mania had taken off here so you could basically cast her you could cast her on a lot of things at that time and i think a lot of people said oh she's a cute girl we like her we'll go see the film and we won't really give a lot of thought to if the film is good or bad okay (laughs) but i did I think you're probably right. So yeah. this, so she this, she did a nice little run there, mm-hmm. and she did. And you know what? In that character, she's she's good. I, I mean, she plays that character really well. So, so the, my thing was, this film had a lot less to do with the actual plot than the actress itself, in the sense that they they didn't ask her to, um, they didn't ask her to be somebody that she wasn't, and they basically asked very little of the script itself. Because they knew that for the most part, she could carry that script. And that gets to my takeaway that is the remarkable thing about this film. Because rom-coms, come on, we usually know how they're going to end up, right? How to lose a guy at the end. There's no surprise there. But you know what they did? They sort of threw in a thing, a little curveball here and there, off-speed pitch at times, right? So you're like, I wonder what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. This film, even for a rom-com, predictability-wise, was a 10 out of 10. And by that, I mean it was the most predictable rom-com that we – they threw no curveballs. And here's, the, here's, my, here's my thesis for why I say that. There was no loose end. They didn't tie up. There were zero loose ends. There were Actually, zero questions, inclu- including inclu- – That's not true. The greatest cliche, though, was at the very start when when Dex played that, right? And the cliche line, because everybody knows lightning doesn't strike twice. And then lightning struck twice when they got together at the end after after she had showed up for the divorce. That's my takeaway. The loose end that so this is a production note. We're getting to production notes early. Mm-hmm. So there was one major loose end that they didn't tie up in the movie. And it's well, what happens to Patrick Dempsey? Does he does he just so so he's just is he just single? So apparently there was a whole other storyline in the original version of this movie that they cut out completely. Can I it stop was, you? It, mm-hmm. He yes, he said it. He got he dumped someone at the altar himself. That's, no, I'm, well, no, well, no, 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 no. I know no, where no, Phil's no. going. Cause I read on this too. Okay. So apparently they filmed this movie and yep. and um, Melanie had an assistant that was mm-hmm. in this movie 
and and I, obviously we never saw Melanie's assistant in the final cut of this movie. Right. The assistant winds up falling in love with Patrick Dempsey at the end of the movie, and they get together. Oh. But they but whoever that actress was, they edited that whole thread out of the movie entirely. Yeah. <laughs> they just decided, ah, it's not worth. I it. I just Maybe assumed it's... that he 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 was the the goof who just got dumped. I, it is it is a parallel. We have now reviewed two consecutive rom coms where the fiance takes being dumped like an absolute champion that would never happen in real life. Like this is back to back. Hey, it's okay. Hey, you're dumping me at the altar. Hey, we're we're in the restaurant on 30 Rock or something or the Empire State Building and you're dumping me tonight? Oh, honey, I know. Go find your true love. Two consecutive films. So, to, Yeah, to, I'll just enjoy this bottle of Dom by myself. It'll God. be amazing. <laughs> Valentine's Day. So to Phil's point, and this is from IMDb, and I know we're jumping in a little bit on facts, but the character Aaron Vanderbilt was deleted from the film because the test audience consistently misunderstood her relationship with Andrew. It, in the finished movie, she appears in the newspaper shown to Melanie during the closing credits. So that's okay. the person you referenced. Oh, interesting. So oh, I'm glad they. Al- I'm up. glad I didn't need that. Yeah, we didn't need that part. All right, my main takeaway from this movie is that Melanie is a terrible human being yes. who gets a pass at every single turn of her life. Mm-hmm. Let's go into it. Mm-hmm. All right? Get into it. Let's just go through the list. Okay, these are all the things that horrible human being Melanie does throughout the course of this movie. Yes, she outs her gay friend Bobby Ray at a bar in front of all of their friends in like from high school and stuff. Yep. So she she betrays his trust in front of everyone. He comes right back the next day, and they're just like, fine. Apparently, they're just fine. Like, whatever. She insults and demeans all of her former Alabama friends. How do you people live like this? And then they just forgive her for, like, inexplicably. Mm. Like, she's not even on, like, friend timeout. They just forgive her the next day. Oh, it's okay. Everybody gets a little drunk. She steals money from Jake's checking account. So, technically, they're still married. But, like, he's they've been apart for seven years, and he's built up, like, a checking account of which sounds like a lot of money because she kept making reference to, how'd you get all that money? Are you doing something illegal? Yep. So she assumes that he's doing something illegal, and she steals all the money. She lies to her fiancé about her entire past, like literally like about her name, about her family, about everything, mm-hmm. and then carries that lie out to a New York Post reporter who she tours this house that isn't hers. But he's not. Uh, he, he's, he's a private detective. For Candace right, Bergen. Right, right. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So they're so all they're like, lying. Yep. Yeah. So she, uh, she while while engaged, okay, so, so well, two things. While married, she's in another relationship. And then while engaged, she's making out with her ex-husband in the cemetery and, like, mm-hmm. trying to get him back while planning this wedding. Mm-hmm. And, again, at every turn, these people forgive her and give her soft landings. Yep. And then she winds up as the hero punching Candace Bergen. The speech that Candace Bergen made at the end of that like wedding debacle, when she basically said, you are the most mani- manipulative human being I've ever met in my life. Candace Bergen was telling the truth that all of her friends and family should have been telling her for years. And she got <laughs> punched out for it. <laughs> so Melanie is a terrible human being. And gets a pass at every single turn. That's my main takeaway. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty similar to yours. My my main takeaway, I'll take it one step further. I would say all these main characters are very, very flawed. <laughs> so Melanie is terrible for all the reasons Phil just basically laid out. Jake is kind of this idiot redneck who just wouldn't sign the papers. Like, honestly, dude, if you just signed the papers, you showed up drunk to the wedding, you got her pregnant. Also, we'll get into that weird part of the movie, too, which is very uncomfortable. Um Andrews is a slimy politician who basically says, I'm proposing to you because I want to get back at my mom. You have his mom, who's also a pretty terrible person. Like the three main characters in this movie are all pretty horrible human beings. That's like one A of my takeaway. My one B is, and I don't mean to get deep here, but my one B takeaway is it's hard to quit the ones you love. It's hard to quit. Your first love. I get it. I understand it. I empathize with it. So I just wanted to throw that out there, too. It's hard to quit those loves. Even when you're trying to move on, you're trying to find someone else, you somehow still always end up back thinking about the same other person. So I I do empathize a little bit with Melanie. Just a little bit. Not much, though. Declan, what needs to happen for us to get you to send like a voice memo to your first love, whoever that is, and say... (laughs) Uh, why would you want to marry me anyhow? Uh, zero chance. Zero chance. <laughs> um, in fact, when you you know when I, 
I, I actually don't want to get into this because I, I could really <laughs> I could really go down a path that wouldn't be necessarily uh, me saying I'm still in love with her. It would be me saying I. You know, there's moments where you know you won the breakup, and there's a specific moment where I know I won that breakup and whoa, where she whoa. is now and I where like I am need, in life. I feel like we need more. All I'm saying is, if what she homeless? No. All I'm saying is, if the next guy that mm. maybe put a ring on her finger proposes to her on a par four golf course in cargo shorts, I know I won the breakup. <laughs> okay, that's all I'm gonna say. Wow. That's the all I'm gonna shorts. say. That's all. Bre- I know she doesn't a, listen a, to this, but that's all I'm gonna say. Cargo shorts and a Brewers jersey. What's wrong with cargo shorts? I I, I enjoy honestly, a good pair I think of cargo. There get, might have been a Brewers jersey on too. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> you can carry a lot of good stuff around in cargo shorts. So that's awesome. Yeah, so many good things. Hmm. You put tater tots in but there. But yeah, she was a terrible person. Yeah, she's awful. She was a terrible person. Uh, what was your favorite part about this movie, Judd? Uh, my favorite part of this entire film was was when she is talking at the grave to the dead dog and apologizing for being a terrible person. Cause it's one of the few <laughs> times that she admits I'm a terrible person. And, and it's actually a scene that I thought to myself, Oh, that's sort of interesting. Like this film was so predictable across the board. And like every scene was, of course they're going to do that next. And of course they're going to do that next. And, and the problem too is Phil, to your point about the bar scene. So she goes and gets rip roar and drunk and insults everybody but the point of it was, so if you do that, there's there are zero ramifications at all. So like mm-hmm. the scenes almost at times didn't make sense. It's like why did you why do you bother putting that scene in when she's basically the next day? It's like oh that's fine. So the dead dog scene I actually really enjoyed because I didn't see it coming, and damn it, the rest of this film I saw it coming. That's yeah. my favorite scene. Yeah, I think, like, to your point about the scenes not making full sense, like, so she goes out and gets ripped and <laughs> and just destroys all of her old friends in that city. And, like, why do you people live like this? And it's just a terrible human at that bar and just lights the whole thing on fire, right, and outs her gay friend. And then uh, Josh Lucas, a, a Jake character, picks her up. Her just drunk, and by the way, pukes in his truck and ruins his date that he's on. Right, just all these terrible. Which he's things. fine with, by, by the way. So, well, yeah, exactly. That's my, that's my point. So yeah, he takes no her like lifeless body, brings it back home, <laughs> drops her in bed, signs the divorce papers. That that was the last drop for him, right? Signs the divorce papers, mm-hmm. and then he's gone. And the next morning, she shows up at his dock, and she's just like, "I'm really sorry. Where are you going? Like, she wants to like know where. Like, where are you going? Can I go with you? Like, she's like." And he's like, yeah, you. And he's all, he's like, open to hanging out with her again. So last night, you signed the divorce papers because she was a terrible human. And the next morning, you're like, oh, I want to spend more time with you. It, 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 yeah. it just doesn't. I don't know. It makes sense. Um, okay, my favorite part of this movie is Reese Witherspoon. Yep. She, Declan, and I, I think, are in lockstep yep. on this movie here. We are. Um, so she is on the Phil Mackey High School Crush oh. Mount Rushmore. Nice. So when I think back to like late '90s, early 2000s, when Phil Mackey was in high school, mm-hmm. the celebrity women that he had the biggest <laughs> crush on, in my Mount Rushmore, oh my God. is Britney Spears. Oh. All right, I understand all the times. Yeah, <laughs> Re- Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> Actually, I, I, there's five on my I, there's five on my Mount Rushmore. I'm sorry, there has That's to be fine. five. It's it's Britney Spears, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Lopez, like late '90s J Lo, yeah. Anna Kornikova, and Trish Stratus from the WWE. <laughs> you have a type? I can't tell. So all those ha- are all of those are the same looking person. Yeah, that's like that was my type in yeah. high school. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> and then I and then I evolved. Yeah, uh, let's say that there's a very obvious five foot two cutoff blonde bob cut hair hairstyle that we're all. I had forgotten all about Kornikova. Yeah. I had forgotten all about her. That's a yeah, wild. That card. was def- that was definitely my style back in back in high school. So, all right, Dex, what was your favorite? Yeah, part? I, my favorite part's Reese too, and I also enjoy how she basically goes from you know she's this New York fashion designer and she has all your earth snobby. New York, New York City friends, but then she goes back home to Alabama and just like reverts to her, you know, Southern Hick roots. Gets hammered at the bar, um, and she basically kind of like is able to cross out that New York style into her Alabama style. And I, I, even though she is a, she makes very bad decisions, and we ripped her in the main takeaway. I think her her acting and the way she does that is is phenomenal. It, it, it's 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 
I think, you know, she... Oh, you're, you're, giving her, you're, you're giving her an Oscar, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, well, obviously I'd give her an Oscar. I'd give her a lot more, too. But I, I think also John oh. Lucas... I think John Lucas. Didn't that. I didn't know. You can interpret that how you want to interpret that. All right, Ryan. Phillips. I also think the fit. Like, if you're rooting for someone, you're you're more rooting for John Lucas's character than her. You know, like like you feel bad for John Lucas. It's, um, it's, jo- it's John, 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 John Lucas. Now, regardless, Jake. Sorry, Jake. Uh, you're honestly rooting for his character too because he he's honestly kind of in in more of the the more difficult situation and he's trying to move on with his life but he's obviously still in love with her too so i, I think just their connection in general which is why i'm i'm curious to see what we do with our ranking for uh for for the chemistry because it's obviously very real there so i think those two are my favorite part so i think too the thing that this proves is depending on who the actress is cast in a role even if they're despicable if they're if they come off as a as a likable person it's different because she's sort of a likable person, right? If the, if this had been Jennifer Aniston, you would have hated her guts and flipped off this film halfway through. I really believe that. I think Reese is a likable type of like bubbly personality. So she's playing this pretty despicable human being, right? But you still watch it and you're like, I still like her. Yeah, if this true. had been if this had been somebody else and you would watch this halfway through, I think you would say she is a bad person. I don't like this person. And more importantly, I don't like the actress as much. I'm done. All right, what was your least favorite part of this movie, Judd? Uh, Reese Witherspoon, why don't you go back to work? Why don't you go home? Like, you come here to get these divorce papers. Again, this is where it doesn't track. You come home to get a very specific. You're going to get married to an incredibly rich guy who... who um, Took you to get your ring when the when what what's the store that that they go to in Manhattan? Tiffany's. I don't remember the Tiffany's. name of the store. Tiffany's. It's Tiffany's. It's Tiffany's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you so like he is filthy rich. His mom is, I believe, supposed to be the mayor in New York of the city. He is going to make her a you know she's set for life. Okay. So she goes home and she has not told him the entire truth. But she needs to get those divorce papers signed. Awesome. Take them home. Get them signed. Don't get them signed. I don't know. But you got to go back to work. You're like a fashion designer in New York. People are counting out. You are the, according to, I believe, um, the bit that she was read from Glamour Magazine, the next It Thing. She never goes back. Like, you go home. Classic, Judd. Go just said, home. You're, a, you're a fashion designer. People are counting on you. People are counting on you. You're supposed to be designing. You've got bosses. Like, like you've got a line. First responder. Go a fashion home. Designer. Go, but you need to go back to New York at some point. Like, you don't get a pass, a hall pass, to go to Alabama and just stay there and, like, start hanging out, which is what yeah. she's doing. Like, she's walking around town now. It's like, no, you were here with those papers. You've got so a lawyer. Actually, so I have, I have, uh, I actually have two least favorite parts. I'm going to, I'll save my one here for a second, but I just, one of them is what Judd brought up. It's the Tiffany scene. Yep. So it's, it's, this is, weird. we're expected to believe, and maybe this is like least believable actually, but we're expected to believe that these, there, there's like 10 or 15 employees at this Tiffany store just sitting there in the dark for some undetermined amount of time until, yes. Until uh, Andrew shows up with Melanie, and then they flip the lights on, and they're all just standing there, wide-eyed, staring at the door. Like, they're just waiting. How long were they waiting? Were they just waiting in the dark for an hour, just staring ahead until the lights come on? It's super weird. And wouldn't you feel uncomfortable if you're here? You're like, wait a second. Eh, I mean, yeah, I get that I'm like a New York fashion designer, but I'm also from Alabama. I don't really know if I need all this glitz. Sort of weird. I thought that scene was weird. Um, my other least favorite part of this movie is just like the racist undertones of yeah. the whole thing. The fact that the Confederate South was celebrated throughout the entire movie. Her uh, vaguely racist father, who is all about like Civil War reenactments, um, and the fact that like the only black person in the movie is like they had like like a ten second scene of like uh, a police officer or something downtown. So just it was it was very much like a. A lot, of, a lot of like weird southern tributes to the Confederacy in this movie that made me kind of uncomfortable. So yeah, Declan, yeah, sense. we are seriously in lockstep here because my least favorite part is the proposal scene. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play the audio clip. It's a little long, and I know I just ripped uh, a certain ex love of mine for the wrong kind of proposal. But I 
Let, let, let's play the clip first, and then I'm going to get into it. Melanie Carmichael, will you marry me? Are you sure? I mean, are, are, are you really sure? Because if you're not sure, we can just go no. back to the car. No, 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 no It's no. only been eight months. You know and... I never do anything rash. And I usually never ask a question I don't already know the answer to. So <laughs> the risk of being rejected twice. <laughs> I'm going to ask you again. <laughs> Will you marry me? Pick one. Pick one. <laughs> Let me get this right. You have rented out an entire Tiffany's, and you don't know what ring you want to give her. You're just going to take her there. You're going to pick it. No, 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 dude. First off, like if you want to be old-fashioned, you want to ask the dad, go ahead and ask the dad. I don't care if you want to do that. I think it's kind of important to have a family blessing, but if you don't want to do that, go ahead and do that. Then you, you just bring her to the store, and you say, you pick out the ring. And then also, you're, you're doing this because you don't want your mom, or you're, you're trying to get back at your mom. The entire proposal is just a sham. Like, like just, just do an actual flipping proposal. How hard is that? Instead of bringing her there and doing this fake nonsense. It, it drove me bonkers. It drove Dude, me absolutely we, bonkers. Can we also talk about how ridiculously arrogant it is to say, I don't usually ask questions yes. that I don't already know the answer to. But you know what? So at the, at the risk of being too. rejected twice... I'm going to ask again. God. Oh, my God. But you know what? His character, that didn't surprise you. Like, his mom is what? I, I think a judge, too. She's mayor. Well, she's the, yeah, she's the, yeah, she's the, but the But the point is, like, they are incredibly filthy rich. They're the, this, you know, high society family. So, like, his, the way that he approaches things is the least surprising. Which is why it's hysterical at the end where he just accepts he got dumped at the altar. That's what doesn't track. <laughs> like, his arrogance makes perfect sense. But then you're telling me at the very end in some... So he decides to get... It's okay to get married in Alabama. And he's going to just sign off on, okay, I got dumped. I get it. Yeah. Uh, least believable part, Judd Zolkin. Oh. Christ almighty. There's a lot of things here. All right. So the least believable part is that, let me get this straight. She is finally going to tie the knot with with her fiancé in Alabama. But there's this rogue character, sort of rogue, disheveled character, Wallace Buford, running around town <laughs> trying to find her. I got I to gotta find Melanie. You know Melanie? None of your business. I got to find Melanie. He stumbles into the wedding at the last second as she's being walked down the proverbial aisle by her father and informs everybody, everybody, not just her, that the divorce papers aren't official. But he signed them. But you didn't. So then we're all supposed to believe that she then, that then we get the line. And by the way, he's a lawyer. Who's got a pen? Who's got a pen to sign these? So you can sign, so you can, so in front of God and everybody, they now know that you were married, that your your divorce is not final because you didn't sign the papers, not him, he did. And Wallace Buford saves the day. You Okay. Again, I am willing to buy into rom-coms. I will go down that path. I, I love being a sap. I'll even cry at times. But this, I'm Wallace Buford. Mr. Buford, what are you doing here? I got you didn't sign the divorce papers. So I want to I want to add to that because I think I think the least believable part of this might have been just like the entire idea that Andrew proposes to Melanie. Yet he's never met her family. He knows nothing about her background. He's never been to her hometown before. She mysteriously goes back to her hometown right after they get engaged. Doesn't share any details, and he doesn't ask. And then he shows up sees all the chaos and sees that she's been hanging out with her ex-husband, et cetera, um, fakes like he's going to hop back on a plane, but then just comes back and says, all right, we can, let's just, yeah, well, I agree. We'll do the wedding here. This will be great. We'll just, we'll just do it here. This place that I've never been to this part of your <laughs> life that I, we've never even talked about before. And uh, yeah, it'll be great. You're 26 years old and I don't know anything about ages zero through 26. I thought that was uh, fairly unbelievable. 
Declan? My least yeah, my least believable part is just the whole wedding scene. So like let me get to, like they're in small ho dunk little Alabama. The the mom, the mother in law doesn't want to have like a big big wedding. She's again like ashamed that her son is marrying this you know, this hick from Alabama essentially. But you were able to sneak in like two hundred people like there's hundreds of people at this wedding, this outdoor wedding ceremony. And I know the security's tight, but like I think people would have been able to figure out like, holy crap, there's a big wedding going on. And also, where are these two hundred people staying? There's no way there's a holiday inn in that flipping town. Like where yeah. where where are these people coming from? So like Where's the, his family? So 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 it's pouring rain. Yes. And 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 the wedding has been blown up and it's pouring rain. And then she yells, and like I'm sure none of them could hear her, but she yells like, There's still gonna be a wedding, you all just hang tight. Like <laughs> Right. Well, where, where's his family supposed? If you're to go? with my wedding party, you all hang tight. Also, also, okay. So, he's never met her family before, and they're throwing this wedding together in Alabama at the last minute, right? So, a, how did they get everyone to travel out there last minute? It doesn't make any sense. Correct. It wasn't like they waited three months. Like they, they just like they just held the wedding and they got a bunch of people to fly out there and hang out. But presumably, a lot of his family. So, where did his family go after that debacle? They did. They just hung out in the rain. They went back to their Holiday Inn. Like Bergen got rain. punched out, and that was it. What, what did they do? Yeah, Candace Bergen got medi- punched. She needed medical attention. Like what? It, yeah. What happened? Do you want to file charges? Because you just <laughs> got punched in the face. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, all right, Judd, you're. Uh, no, we already went through least believable. Cheesiest. Um, so we do the cheesiest part. I think. I mean, for me, it's just like the whole like in the rain scene at the end. I've like, got one. I, I got a different one. I think too. I, I've got yeah. a cheesy part. So, so like, again, everything about this film stretched your, like, you had to to pay your 10 bucks and take your brain out and stick it on the counter and watch this film. Because any, <laughs> if you kept your brain in your skull, it just boggled your mind. Uh, my cheesiest part is, is the part where he finds out she's not who she is because he shows up to surprise her. In Alabama, when, by the way, he would have shown up a long time before that if he cared about her because she wasn't coming home. She never came home to New York. But anyway, so he finds out that she, like, this whole thing's a lie. And the cheesy part is, you know, she's like, but wait, I can explain. And he, I believe the line is, says, yeah, I've got a plane waiting for me. I'm going home. Then she goes back to her parents' house. And is making food with her mom like she just broke up with her seventh grade boyfriend. And her dad comes back in with Andrew, correct? She she come or he comes back in and says, I found this guy walking. Now hold on a second for cheesiness and for like tying things together. Andrew had a private plane waiting for him to go home because he's disgusted. And I totally get that. It's over. And he's yeah, yeah, exactly. But he had to walk somewhere. To get to the no, he would have had a driver, a car. I, it's clear that there are rental cars. She had one, so like this is not a part of Alabama which does not have Hertz or or a national rental car. So the cheesiest thing was he got back to her house because he was walking to his Learjet. <laughs> I never thought about that, but you're 100 percent right, Declan. What about you? Most cheesiest part of the it, movie? It's literally the last. Thing in the movie where after it's honest, it's after the beach scene, after they're married and they're back in the bar. And she says, "Play something slow," and it, of course, it's sweet <laughs> moment. <laughs> like, are you like, come on, like, just, just like that's? It's very on brand, but it's also just cheesy and dumb. So that was my cheesiest part. Yeah. Also, <laughs> uh, is it fair to say that that relationship between Jake and Melanie was not going to end well? That there there was there's going to be just explosive arguments. There's going to be butting of heads, probably different career wishes, right? Like, there, if there was a sequel, it would just be full of turmoil, I think. There was, I don't know how you could be fighting I that agree much. With you. I agree with you completely. Yeah, because they were both sort of volatile in their own way. And and the thing, too, is so so they kept it a secret on purpose and alluded to it throughout that, that he actually had this now successful glass company because, of course, to come full circle— he had gotten the idea when he was a young boy, and they had been almost or struck by lightning. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't see any way that 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 doesn't end with like three kids and and a divorce and all those kids in therapy. 
By the way, did I miss it? Did she ha- did she have an abortion or a miscarriage? Yeah, or what was the deal with the kid they brought up a few times? This she is... got pregnant, but then they never tied it up, I don't think. You know, like in Fever Pitch was a little uncomfortable, but like she has a miscarriage. But like this is, it's never really addressed because she, when she gets drunk in the bar, she admits like, yeah, that's when he got me pregnant. But then they don't really talk about like, well, like what happened with the pregnancy? And it's like, it's this weird underlying tone in the movie and it makes it like things uncomfortable. Like I was uncomfortable trying to figure out like wait like so what happened did did she have an abortion did she my guess miscarriage is, my guess is they didn't w- want to tell you too much because she already was so despicable that it, did they need but did they even need that no part of the story no line? they did it of course they didn't like who no it was weird. well I guess they were trying to say that, that they don't get married in high school unless she got pregnant but okay. it would have been just fine to say there are a couple of hicks. Yeah, there's nothing yeah, else like, to do. Let's who, get married. Who cares? Like, I, yes, <laughs> yes. It would, yeah. uh, how, how did you? I want Judd's thoughts on Josh Lucas as as the lead character here. I know you have takes on. This. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, at the hockey game last night, Dex and I discussed this briefly too. Um, it is quite clear while that, we're dominating yeah, so we're, much. Yeah, St. Louis, eleven shots like, on goal. So we Judd and I were just just going back out of a sweet home. We got a little bored. Yeah, uh, it is very safe to say that they sat down with a, bu- a budget sheet, which was pretty good, and said, "Okay, who are we going to pursue?" And then they talked about actors and probably the importance just of the actors and actresses and who should get paid and who they could probably get a little bit of a discount. And my guess is at that table, somebody had to say. Male lead character, got to be McConaughey, right? Got to be, be McConaughey. This is a McConaughey role. And keep in mind, again, this is the this is the height of McConaughey mania. So you he got was gearing, he was gearing up at this point for how to lose a guy in ten days. Yeah. So this, I mean, he is. So this is really expensive. And then they probably said, "Yeah, but we need a good female lead too." And so they probably bandied some na- names about. And Reese was a really good one. And they said, "Okay, what should we spend on? Like, who's our Babe Ruth here?" The actor or actress? Should we go defensive tackle or exactly. left guard? This is it. Right, right. And Zim said, we got to get McConaughey. We got to. And somebody, and sanity prevailed. And they said, you know what? No, we need left a guard. left. Uh, yeah, a left guard, a left tackle. <laughs> More importantly, a quarterback. Um, and so they went Reese. But there is no way on, there's no way that that role was not written for M squared, right? That was yeah, a McConaughey role. Yeah, Josh Lucas is definitely diet Matthew McConaughey for sure. He's diet. You, you, you dust him off. All right, we can't afford McConaughey. Let's bring Josh Lucas in here and see what happens. So, uh, some production notes on that front. Charlize Theron was considered for the lead role before Reese Witherspoon was cast. That would be that would have been interesting. Yeah, I mean, because Kill Bill is right around the same time. So like, I, wasn't like, she in a Sweet November too with Keanu Reeves? There was a chick mm-hmm. flick with her and Keanu Reeves. She might have been okay in that role, right? Charlize Theron, she might have been okay. I, I I don't I don't think she's bubbly enough. Yeah, I think she's you not. needed someone someone bubbly she's to not. make this movie. Okay. Uh, this movie was released three years before Grey's Anatomy came out, which is what Patrick Dempsey is <laughs> largely known for. But uh, so so Patrick Dempsey starred in Can't Buy Me Love in 1987. I want to say, and then you know, he was in a bunch of stuff for the next ten or fifteen years. But I feel like this was kind of. A big step, and then into Grey's Anatomy, and you know, and and now his career is sort of what it is. And the nice little run for Reese Witherspoon here in the early two thousands: Cruel yeah. Intentions, nineteen ninety nine; American Psycho, two thousand; Legally Blonde, two thousand one; Sweet Home Alabama, two thousand two; Legally Blonde two, the next year, and then Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash. Movie. Oh, I love that! Saw that in theater. She was in there. Fantastic. So she had a nice, nice little like six year run of some Cruel big, Intentions. Big there, pretty good film. Yeah. Her and Philippe uh, um, were in that, right? Well, yeah, no, but in American Psycho, both oh, I love both uh, Reese and Lucas are are both in American Psycho too. Mm-hmm. Oh, They're both okay. in that one as well. So we get to our definitive relationship rankings here. So we're looking for criteria: just chemistry on the screen, chemistry on the screen. To this point, here are the four that we've done so far: uh, Hitch and Sarah, eight point eight out of ten. Ben Barry and Andy Anderson from How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 8.3. Ben and Lindsay from Fever Pitch, 6.7. And Sam and Annie from Sleepless in Seattle, 3.3. <laughs> what rating would you give Melanie and Redneck Jake from Sweet Home Alabama? Start with me. I'm going to give them a 6.5. Oh, wow. I'm only going to give them a 6.5 because 
I like, I actually didn't mind the actors, but the script with them was so flawed that I became confused at times about like how they were written for each other versus what really probably occurs there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going, I'm actually going to dock the writing staff for this uh, because they tried to make this so simple and it wasn't 6.5. Dex, even though that, you know, they, they have their flaws with one another. I think the chemistry is legit to me. It's an eight. I think their chemistry wow. is strong. Um, even though they, they both want to be with, they try to get divorced and, but there's, there's still this connection that they can't, they can't let go of. He's trying to date other people. She's literally engaged to someone else, but they keep coming back to one another. I think their chemistry is an eight. Wow. The three of us are all over the map on this one. So it's a four for me, dog. Wow. It's a four for me. This is an explosive, toxic relationship. <laughs> they treat each other like garbage. They don't speak to each other with kindness. There's no in truth. Any sense. No truth. They don't. Yeah, there's no truth. So she, he doesn't tell her the truth about his business. She doesn't tell her to uh, him the truth about her relationship. The whole thing is built on lies and insecurities and anger. And for that, I'm giving it a four. So. Uh, so it's a 6.2 out of 10 when you add all of our scores up and divide by three, which makes it the fourth in our five that we have reviewed to this point. All right, pure entertainment value. That's the criteria for the overall rating for the movie. Hitch is a 9 out of 10. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 8.8. Sleepless in Seattle, 7.2. And Fever Pitch, 6.3. Judd? Lack of effort, again, from the people that did the script gets this film from me a 4. I'm giving him a four. You gotta look. The act the acting was actually fine. I didn't love it, but I liked it. And Reese, I think, is likable and at that time was a huge box office smash. You're getting a four though. Throw me a curveball. Throw me an off speed pitch. Come on, do something. <laughs> Make me dance in the batter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dex, bro you. Uh I really like this movie. Um, even with all their main character flaws and whatnot, and obviously my love of Reese is very clear to me. Again, it's an eight. It's an eight out of ten. I really, really wow, like dude. this film. I really like this movie. It's one of my favorites. We are all. This is awesome. This is, yeah, I love this. All right, so here, here's where I'm at. All right, this is. <laughs> I, I will start by saying, when this movie is on, I always watch it. Yep, always watch it, and I don't know why because I'm giving it a six. It's not that good of a movie. There are so many other rom-coms that are just better, but there's something about the movie that's just super easy to Do you to really watch. stop on it? All the, well, yes, that's true. It's it an is easy, easy movie to, to yeah. stop on. Yeah. I don't think I'd so, ever stop on it again. I don't, like, I'm not giving it an eight. I'm not in Declan's realm there. I'm giving it a six, and I just, I guess I'm having the self-realization that I have a really low bar for what I'll stop and watch <laughs> on TV. So that means it's a six <laughs> out of ten. It's the worst one that we've reviewed so far, but it's not a train wreck. Uh, but it slides in at a six behind Fever Pitch at 6.3. So, Judd, executive producer Declan and I were just texting back and forth last night, mm-hmm. and we would like to pull an executive decision here and also have it be based on recommendations we've gotten from the audience. We've been reviewing movies for almost a year. In yeah. fact, I think I think a year this week, I think it was the last week in March, we started Action Movie Rewind. And so we've got Action Movie Rewind, we've got Rom-Com Rewind. Yep. We've yet to do Sports Movie Rewind. Okay. And this weekend, the relaunch of Mighty Ducks is coming out on Disney+. Plus, and we feel like this would be a great time. We can alternate between the genres. And there's forward. a show coming out, right? Th- th- that, that's what it is. That's it. Okay. Yep. The show is coming yep. out. Okay. Yep. Yep. We think this would be a great, great week for you to watch Mighty Ducks for oh, the first time with us. Love it. And we jump into our first Sports Movie Rewind. Never seen for it. For next Friday. Never seen it. So, yeah. Let's do it. All right, so we're going to – and then going forward, we can just sort of rotate between rom-coms, sports movies, action movies as we see fit. Okay. Um, But let's do it. It's been a year. We haven't done a sports movie yet. People are dying for us to review some sports movies, and so we'll start with Judd's first ever viewing of Mighty Ducks. Fever Pitch was a sports movie. What are you talking about? About the Red Sox. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is an NBA Finals movie. I mean, yeah, one of the greatest NBA Finals of all time. That Kings-Knicks final blew me away. (laughs) Bobby Jackson was so good in that Finals. (laughs) He was was very clutch next to Lawrence Thunderberg in game six. Playing at the end of a meaningless regular season game. Oh, man. By the way, um, our friends at PXG are are (laughs) helping to make our golf game better. Our golf game and and our golf apparel game better as well. So PXG Minneapolis is the place for you. It's a golfer's paradise. 
and uh, the new Gen 4 golf clubs have landed. So these drivers, fairways, hybrids, irons, these are PXG's flagship clubs and hands down the best sticks that they've ever made, which is saying something because they make really good golf clubs. So if you want, if you want amazing golf clubs, you want to look sharp, whether you're swinging those incredible clubs or not, out and about on the town, whatever, PXG's new spring and summer apparel just arrived in store. So PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center and find out more at pxg.com slash Minneapolis. All right, that's a wrap. Perhaps do Tin Cup soon. Rewind. Tin Cup at some point in time. How about that? Tin Cup. We could do Tin Cup. I like that Tin would Cup. Be super fun. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll let's. If you're still listening, we would love a list of fun sports movies that you think would be good for sports movie rewind. I don't. I mean, there's certain ones like The Natural that I don't. know. We could probably do The Natural because there's things to make fun of. But we're looking for like <laughs> sports movies that are going to be fun to make fun of. So Mighty Ducks obviously falls into that Mis- Mystery Alaska is one of my all time favorites. I love Mystery Alaska. That Never might be t- that might be too good though. That's a really good film. I love that film. But it's it's good. We can make fun of it though. Yeah, that's a very easy movie to make fun of. Actually, for love of the game is kind of a rom com and a sports movie. Oh god, it's, it's awful. It'd be perfect for oh, us. Would, it's awful. And what would blend perfect between rom com and sports would be love and basketball. If we really want to get god. deep into, a I don't rom-com. think I've seen. Oh, you know, man. I don't think I've love seen and love and basketball. And basketball. I, I don't a, think I've seen that. We might one. hit a new demo target audience if we do. Do you know basketball. what it's about? Do you know what it's about? I remember the name of it, but no, I don't have any recollection. It's about love and basketball. Mm-hmm. Oh, gee. Okay. I well, I hope the I hope the NBA Finals is a great Kings Knicks series in that one too. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap on Rom Com Rewind. Please give us a five star rating and a positive review, uh, Mackie and Judd podcast on Apple, and don't forget download the Score North app. It's a central hub for all of our content. We'll see you guys next week. Nice dress. Where's your husband? I'm looking at him. What is it about you, Southern girls? You can't make the right decisions. You tried all the wrong ones. At least I fight for what I want. Oh, what do you want, Melanie? I don't even think you know. You're the first boy I ever kissed, Jake. And I want you to be the last. Maybe you and I had our chance. Fine, have it your way, you stubborn ass. <laughs> what you want to be married to me for, anyhow? So I can kiss you anytime I want. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.